And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Morning, church. My name's uh, Levi, and I've been tasked to read scripture this morning. So I'll be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44 to 53. And it says, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance from the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted his, up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. May you, may you bless the reading of his word. You all are looking ugly today. I like it. Actually, uh, my favorite non-Christmas ugly sweater, ugly sweatshirt is right there, that Dallas Cowboys. Sorry. Actually, it's probably more the Chicago Bears, which I'm with you, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, man, so glad that you guys are here this morning. We're in a Advent series, for lack of better words, called Christmas Cheer. Uh, we really need to be people who follow Jesus and we experience joy. We need to be people of joy and cheer. And so we're looking at a specific message this whole month, just going, what is at the heart of Christmas? And when we see that, you see the heart of God. And when you experience the heart of God, you come to know God. And when you come to know God, you come to experience the good news of great joy That'll be for all the people. Now, I know that not everyone in this room is a fan of Buddy the Elf, but he's my favorite. And I believe there are some really good illustrations from that movie that do speak into the heart of the season. Now, granted, it needs some elaboration and redefinition, but there are some good things that we can extract out from that. So, for instance, I want you to watch this clip. Now, before we learn how to build the latest in extreme graphic chipset processors, let's recite the code of the elves, shall we? Number one. Treat every day like Christmas. Number two. There's room for everyone on the nice list. Number three. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. I mean, isn't that code of life amazing? Right? Like, like think about this, okay? Like, that code, the church should adopt that code of life. Like, really, okay? Think about it. Humor me for a moment, okay? I know I'm stretching this, but come with me. Treat every day as Christmas. Like, not just the 25th. Like for us who believe Jesus, like we're exhorted because of the gospel to rejoice always. 
We are to be people who preach the gospel to ourselves to remember that God is with us, that God drew near to us, that he sent his one and only son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, that light came into the darkness. Treat every day as Christmas. That's a life of worship. And that leads right into the second code. There's room for everybody on a nice list. For all who receive him, for all who believe in his name, he gives the right to become sons and daughters. The gospel is for all who believe, to all who call upon his name. There's room for everybody on the nice list. It's not an inclusive message. And so out of that, that code should come the, second, the last part of the best way to spread Christmas cheer. Sing aloud for all to hear. Share Jesus. Witness about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Be people of joy. Tell people what he's done in your heart. I mean, this is a season where people's hearts are stirred up with generosity and love and hope and longing and all of these things. But thinking about the code of the elves, it's truly like their way of life. It's their system of belief, if you would, right? So they go after this. This is the life that they, they pursue, and they put their faith into this. They believe that if they do these certain things, some things will come as a result. And so they believe in what we see as a result of this code of life are that you have some elves who love smiling. Smiling's their favorite, always full of joy. That was a quote from the movie. It's a great code to live by. But the like, reason why I bring this up is because we need to realize that we all, every single one of us in this room, we all live by a code. We all have a system of belief, don't we? We all operate from faith. We put our trust into some object, into some person or something or some ideal. And that person or that object or whatever it is offers us things in the form of a promise that if you put your faith into this, that if you act a certain way, then and only then will you achieve certain things. And at the deepest part of our hearts, the deepest longings of our heart is to find joy is to find peace, to find unconditional love. That's what our hearts are longing for. Now, for example, take our culture for a moment. Take this world and our present society for a moment. They are pro offering certain promises. It's a belief system dangling out these carrots in front of you saying, if you go after these things, if you finally achieve these certain things, or if you act in a certain way, then, and only then, will you begin to experience the joy in the life and the peace that you long for. Right now in our culture at present, they are promoting, saying, if you work hard enough, if you achieve a lot, if you start to kind of experience these external expectations, when you start to get approval from all of your peer groups, once you get those things, then you'll find that joy and the peace. Then you'll finally be where you thought the grass was greener. The, rea the reality of that is that it can never, ever fulfill its promise ever ever it's just a carrot that's dangled out in front of you it's a lie 
It's a mirage. It can't deliver on what it promises because it's not grounded in truth. It's just a reflection of the truth. It's a whisper of the truth. It's humanity trying to find a life of meaning and satisfaction apart from God. Right now, there are people out there trying to study and understand why like anxiety and depression is on this rapid increase in the younger generations. And so they did this study of looking at the young adults presently, 20 to 40s, and they started to kind of compare them against like the, the baby boomer generation, some of the older generations. And what they're discovering is this younger generation have achieved way more. They're, they're accomplishing way more than other generations have at this age, but yet what they're discovering in that younger generation are greater levels of insecurity. And the insecurity is showing up because they're discovering that when they finally achieve, when they finally get what they want, when they finally get into that friend group, when they finally look a certain way, when they finally get that job, it's not giving them the joy or the peace that was promised. Why don't we ever interrogate the culture? Why don't we ever go, how come it's not delivering on the promises that it's giving us? This is a joyless life. It's joyless because you're chasing after a carrot that you'll never reach. And if you do get a little taste of a little success and a little happiness, the law of diminishing returns kick in, don't it? You've got to have more. You're not satisfied. You've got to have this. It's got to increase. It's never enough. But even within the church, the sad reality is we fall into the same trap. Instead of going after the promises of the world or culture, we fall prey to the promises that religion gives us. That if you work hard enough spiritually, that if you look a certain way spiritually, and if you're good enough, and if you do enough things, and if you can just kind of believe in the verse that's really not a verse, but a verse that God helps those who help them. Some of you are like, wait a second, it's not a verse. You're right, it's not, but we make it into one. And we start to believe in this mindset that it's Jesus plus whatever it is, and then I will have the joy, peace, life. It's just a lie. It's another carrot. Because religion can't follow through. It can't guarantee on the promises that it's offering you. It can't do it. It just leads you to a place of disillusionment and frustration and cold-heartedness and indifference to the things of God. The actual formula for this type of life is Jesus plus whatever it is equals a joyless life. These promises aren't rooted in truth. We need to understand that. So many people, come on, let's just be honest, how many of us spend so much time really longing and looking and pursuing things that bring us joy? So many all of us, mm -hmm. and we pursue these things apart from Jesus. But this is the beauty of the Christmas season. When we look at the beginning part of the Gospel of Luke, we see the proclamation, the promise of good news, of great joy that will be for all the people. 
It's a message of joy. We start to realize that Jesus wants us to experience the joy of God. He wants to offer us truth that's grounded in reality that will allow us to experience the joy that we were designed for. So I want to ask you the question this morning. Have you experienced the disappointment, frustration, and letdown of chasing after carrots? You ever got that promotion that you thought would do it and you finally got that promotion? I need that house and you finally get that house and then you saw a friend's house that's bigger than yours and now you want that house? Let's just be honest, we all have. And so the question I want to frame to you is what if there's a better way? What if there's a way where you and I can experience a joy-filled life, a faith that results in a joy that can't be shaken or touched, a joy that no one can steal from you, a joy that's so amazing that it can only be described as inexpressible? That's what I want to talk to you about today. So as we look at the last story in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to see something really cool. And I'm going to fly through the front half of this passage because I really want to land on the very last verse. So look at this. Luke 24, verse 35 through 40. Verse 36, I'm sorry. And as they were talking about these things. Now, this is the moment where the disciples on the Emmaus Road who were disappointed because God didn't meet their expectations and they were retreating from hope and Jesus came and opened up their mind to who he is in scriptures and all of a sudden they're like, oh my goodness, Jesus is alive, he is resurrected and they leave back to Jerusalem and now here they are in the room with the disciples and the other women that were part of this group and they're talking about these things and in that moment, in that conversation, poof, Jesus shows up. <laughs> like, come on. How would you feel if you're having a conversation? Like, okay, your business or school Christmas party, you're just talking about things, and all of a sudden it's just like, Pff. like, you'd be terrified. And Jesus immediately, I love this, he's just like, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened because they thought they saw a spirit. They thought they saw a ghost. They didn't believe that what they were seeing was actually a physical body, that this is actually Jesus resurrected from the dead. They thought this was Jesus like conjured up from the dead. That's what they were feeling there and they were terrified. And Jesus then asked them a question, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? This is the pattern that we have seen from these disciples since the cross. That's because they've given up. They've, they've placed their hope in promises that weren't offered by God, that were offered by religion. They, they put their own self-expectations into the equation, and it didn't happen. And so we see this window of their lives being joyless. And even now, when Jesus shows up in their midst, Jesus is startled. He's sort of surprised. like, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? I mean, come on, guys. Look, see my hands. See my feet. Come on. Like, touch them. I don't mind. Come on. Come touch. Come see. Get close. Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? This is a question that's really exposing 
the fruit of their ways. It's revealing what they put their faith in. And the result of that is joylessness. Jesus is surprised by their lack of joy. Really? Why are your hearts troubled? Like, this is the moment where you should be so full of joy and so overwhelmed. Why are you doubting? Verse 41. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And he gave them a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. It's a wild scene. Like, I have no idea, but I got to imagine that this took a while when Jesus said, come on, guys, touch my hands, touch my feet. Like, I can imagine some of the introverts that BJ so badly made fun of. Introverts are lovely. Love you guys, okay? Like, I can imagine them just kind of sitting back and being timid to want to do that. Then I can see Peter just going, you know? It's like this is a powerful moment. And, and like, I love this text. Like, Luke is trying to describe the situation. And literally, there's no words to describe what they're feeling and what they're thinking. And so you get this weird phrase, disbelieved for joy. Like, I, I, I sat on that phrase all week. I'm just like, what is this? And I, so I, like, got into the Greek and didn't get in there. And the, even the Greek was, like, very cloudy. It wasn't, like, really, like, clear. And the best way that I can understand this from, like, studying this is, like, this is one of those times in your life where you're experiencing something. It's so unique and it's so full of joy and, and amazement. But at the same time, you're just sitting here going, this can't be happening. But I want it to happen. But how is this possible? Like, imagine that they're seeing Jesus resurrected, in, you know, right in front of them. Their hope's been abandoned, but here he is. They're able to touch him, see him. They're watching him have lunch, you know, and they're just like, what is this? It's too good to be true. It'd be like the Bears beating the Packers tonight. Disbelief for joy. Friends, this is what it's like when we start to understand the gospel. Have you ever had these moments in your life when you just go, how is this possible? How can God love me? Doesn't he know me? Doesn't he see me? Doesn't he know what I really want? Doesn't he know the idols in my heart? How can he love me? Why did he come for me? And you get that moment, you're just like, this is too good to be true. And your emotions are just like all over the place. These are one of the most powerful moments in our lives spiritually. When we have these moments like this, when Jesus shows up in these moments that cause us just to be like, you are so good. How is this possible? It's these moments where our hearts tend to perk up like they never had before. And hope starts to stir up like never before. And we start to go, maybe it's true. Maybe these promises that God has told us is true. Maybe Jesus, in the way of Jesus, is true. And it's in these moments where it's like everything is stirred up, Jesus has our attention. And like, that's like, I got to imagine that in this moment. It's just like, they don't know what else to do. They're just like, Jesus, you have my full attention right now. 
Does he have your attention, church? You ever get to these moments in this season, you're just like, how could the one who spoke light into being with the word come as a baby? The one who created air in the wind came as a baby and had to learn how to breathe. You get those moments. God, you have my attention. Speak. And I love that when God has that moment in your life, he speaks truth because that's what he does. He again reveals to them like, all of the Old Testament, all of the scriptures, the law, the prophets, and the psalm, so they all spoke about this. They all prophesied and painted a picture how the Messiah would have come and he would suffer and die and he would resurrect again and he would bring about a way for our hearts to be revived. He would give you a new heart and a new spirit and then he would ascend to the Father and then there would come the Holy Spirit. Like These are the things he's like, it's all about about that. This had to happen for the repentance of the forgiveness of sins. And you can just imagine in that moment, like their hearts stirring up because Jesus knows, and we should know too, that faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God, not experiences. And here's why I say that, because I know how tempting it is in this moment. Let's just be honest. I think we all thought this. If I was there, in that room, and if I was able to see him and touch the holes in his hands and his feet, then I would have faith too. It'd be so much easier if I was there. They had it easy. Friends, don't fall for that lie. Our faith is rooted in truth not in an experience. And Jesus even warned about this in Luke 16, 31, talking about the Pharisees, the religious people who go after those promises. He says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they don't see me in Scripture, if they don't believe in me because they talk about me, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Even if they saw a resurrection, it wouldn't cause faith. John 20 Doubting Thomas, oh, I believe if I only could see him, right? Jesus is like, okay, hey, Thomas, come here, come here. Thomas, my Lord, my God. And then you get this verse that Jesus says at the end of this in verse 29. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Look at what he says next. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Faith in Jesus is rooted in truth. And the gospel, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension has guaranteed that all of the promises of God will be true. That everything, every glorious promise that God has given us is now confirmed, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, that every promise is a yes in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we say amen. That's our declaration of faith. This is where I'm going to put my hope. This is what I'm going to live after. This. This is where joy is. Is by putting our faith in the glorious promises of God. 
If this is not a cause for great joy, friends, we got to wake up to realize that we don't have to try to be good enough to God, that he sent his son because we weren't able to, that while we were enemies and sinners and underneath his wrath, Jesus died for us. And not only that, he was excited to go to the Father because he knew that when he ascended to the Father, that the promised Holy Spirit would come. And now God would be able to dwell in everyone who believes. He was so excited for this. We are adopted as children. We are now co-heirs with Christ. And nothing could ever separate us from the promise of God. So therefore, give thanks in all things. Rejoice always. These are the promises of God. How can we not be full of joy? Do we believe that the promises of God will truly satisfy, will truly give us the peace, and will truly give us the joy that our hearts long for? That's a question of belief. And Jesus continues in his story. And he's like, you guys are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm going to send the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. Stay in the city until it comes, and then you'll be clothed with power. And then he ascends to heaven. Imagine that. Wait, 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 Jesus, you, you, you just got here. <laughs> Where are you going? He sends. But this isn't the end of the story. Because I love the last verse of the Gospel of Luke. These disciples who were experiencing a joyless life, a discouraging moment of life in those three days, great disappointment with God, busted hearts, they started to experience a joy, and they would never be the same again. They come to know a joy that is inexpressible, the very thing that Jesus said would happen. How do we, how do you and I experience this joy-filled life? Like, guys, like, I really want to challenge you. Don't think that it was so much easier that if you only could see him, I would move mountains all day long. Jesus said, if you believe when you don't see him, you are in a greater state of blessedness. How do we experience this joy? By putting your faith in the right object. Putting your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. No more believing that the promises that the culture and the world offer you will actually give you the joy and peace. No more believing that you need to contribute to your faith and, and be religious and be like, you know what, yeah, God, I know you love me, but I got to do this. Let me do it by myself. Let me put some grit into this. I got this. God, let me prove to you this. I don't know if you actually love me. No more Jesus plus formula, just Jesus alone. It's simply Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus in his word because his word is truth. His promises are grounded in truth and they are guaranteed. So that can only mean that faith in Jesus can result only in a joy-filled life. A faith in Jesus 
can only result in a joy-filled life. Come what may, no matter the circumstances, no matter the trials, no matter the fire, no matter the burdens, no matter temptation, nothing can steal or rob you of this joy. We, as believers, those who follow Jesus, should be and ought to be the most joy-filled people. That's why scriptures exhort us to rejoice always. And in case you missed what I just said, I say again, rejoice. Verse 52. They worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem with, say it with me, great joy. Luke 1 and 2, proclaiming that there's going to be good news of great joy. It's coming. The gospel's coming. Luke ends the gospel with joy realized. These folks, these disciples, put their faith in Jesus, and now they're experiencing the result of their faith, great joy. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. These disciples, they started to experience this joy. And when the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father came upon them, they began to understand what the joy of the Lord is. They they started to understand that the joy of the Lord is their strength. They started to realize what the fruit of the Spirit is, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And the Holy Spirit stirred inside of them, drawing them into the presence of God, causing them to remember the teachings of Jesus. And I got to imagine that one of the teachings that the Spirit would have reminded them, because he did, because it's in Scripture, was John 15. Abide in me. I'm the source of life. I'm the source of joy. Don't put yourself or your efforts or attach yourself to other things. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me and if you abide in me, you will have life. You'll experience fruit. Then you'll start to see this life. And Jesus would even say in verse 11, he's like, listen, I'm telling you these things. So that your joy may be complete. Now, because of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to abide in Jesus. Not by our effort, but by his effort, by his power. The Holy Spirit will cause us to want to abide And so for us today, abiding in Jesus is like inviting Jesus into every aspect of our life, finding our purpose and our identity and our nourishment, everything in his presence. To trust in God and to receive the Holy Spirit and to walk by the Holy Spirit and to abide in Jesus is living counterculturally. It's putting your faith in something completely different. And we become people of light, people of joy, and people of hope. Because faith in Jesus can only result in a joy-filled life. Good news of great joy. Proclamation to realization. 
And this joy led this group of disciples in the church sense to do a few things. To worship, to witness, and to be unashamed. They couldn't stop telling people about Jesus. Because after all, there's room for everybody on the nice list. They couldn't stop worshiping Jesus. Because now that the Holy Spirit is inside of them, every day is Christmas. And they were unashamed. Spreading cheer no matter what. No matter where they are, even if it's in a store. In a lighthearted way, their actions after this sort of remind me of this clip. The cover. Picture this. You got. Uh... Yeah, I'm in love. I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Buddy, uh, not now. Uh, can you please go back to the uh, to the pit? I'll come visit you in a little while. Okay. He's unashamed. Look where they went to. They went to the temple. To the people who wanted Jesus crucified. And they go, they were like, we're going to tell you about Jesus. We don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks. It's Jesus. Because I'm in love. It's Jesus. Jesus is the source of my joy. It's Jesus. I don't care what you do to me. Because it's Jesus. They were unashamed. That's what happens. When we put our faith in Jesus, it results in a great joy. And we can't help but tell people of what we've seen and heard. We can't help but rejoice always. And we don't care what other people think because of our love and faith in Jesus. Peter, years later, talks about this joy this way. In 1 Peter 1.8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. You can't explain it. And it's filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome or the result of your faith, the salvation of of your souls. Faith in Jesus can only result in a joy-filled life. I'm going to ask members of our prayer team to come forward. Elders, staff, volunteers, I want to encourage you to come forward because I want to ask you two questions. And I want to encourage you and challenge you that if you answer yes, to either of these two questions, I want to encourage you to come forward and receive prayer. Question one is this. Do you need joy this morning? Do you need real joy this morning? The second question is similar but different. Do you want this joy this morning. I asked Seth if he could play this song.
because I love this song. It helps us understand how blessed we are. But in there, there's going to be a, a moment in the song where it talks about taking the world, but just give me Jesus. Like, he's really what I want. And I want to encourage you in this moment to use this time as a prayer. And just say, Lord, show me the carrots I'm running after. God, help me deal with my discouragement and disappointment in you. Lord, help me understand where I'm putting my faith. Show me how to have this uh, joy-filled life. And in this moment, if, if you're saying yes in your heart in terms of like, yes, I need joy, or yes, I want joy, come forward. Let us serve you by praying for you. So, Father, I ask that in this moment, you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us understand the beauty of these promises that are found in Jesus. Lord, would you show us our wayward hearts, show us where maybe we have like put our faith into the promises of culture, the promises of this world, caught into the temptation that if we get this, if we achieve that, if I have more of this, or if I look like this, or if my, this friend group thinks highly of me, et cetera, et cetera, that finally we will have it all, we will have joy, we'll have peace. Forgive us for that, Lord. Even forgive us for, for adding things to the gospel, for thinking that we can be good enough and thinking that somehow we can control you and somehow that we try to put you into our agendas and in our ways of thinking. Lord, thank you that you came to this earth humbly. Thank you that you are the light that came into the darkness. Thank you that you are the one who offers the, the promise of living water that truly satisfies where we would never be thirsty again. Father, I ask that you would make us into being a people of joy. So Lord, I just pray that you would minister to our hearts in this moment. In Christ's name.